0: London attack begins terrorist holiday spree. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol. You're a a psychiatrist and you're terrorist therapist. Oh, yes, we have another terror attack to report. Uh, In fact, another one on London Bridge. There had been one there before. Actually, that is where the terrorist was finally filled but um, the the attack started before that. I'm going to tell you all about this. Now, as of this moment, uh, not all of the information is known. They haven't released yet the name of the terrorist. And um, so far they have shown his photo with his face blurred. The only thing we know is that a witness reported that he had a beard. Now, not to say that anybody or everybody with a beard is a radical Islamist, um, but you know that does give us a little clue. Plus what really gives us the clue, and I've talked about this before, is how the more hidden the name of the terrorist is, the person who perpetrated an attack, and before they know the name, presumably they know obviously what the man looks like. So the more hidden they keep his face, the more likely it is to be a radical Islamist because because they don't want to spur on Islamophobia, which is fine and dandy. We, you know, I don't want to spur on Islamophobia either, but this whole idea of keeping things hidden, not wanting, you know, it's like we're little children, uh, not wanting to tell the public the, the details, uh, in fact, really, what, this morning, when I was uh, you know doing research into this whole thing, um, what was really troublesome was that when you look at and you can go back and look at this yourself, um, if you you know Google London Bridge Attack or London Attack, um, you will see which news outlets labeled it a terror attack and which ones had euphemisms like uh, incident on London Bridge, or um, uh, people injured, people killed, it turned out that they they didn't really know the exact number at first, but as of right now, uh, there are two people who were killed in this attack, and um, at least 10 injured, um, 10 more injured, and of course some of those might die, there might be subsequent news, hopefully not, but... That's possible. So um, some outlets, you know, talked about the numbers who died, the numbers who were injured, uh, the fact that there were people uh, passers-by. This is like an amazing part of the story. I'll tell you more about it. There were passers-by who actually jumped on the man to um, stop him from continuing his. It was a knife attack to stop. Well, so far it was a knife attack. I will tell you more. But the point of what I'm trying to say. Um, at the beginning, because this is one of the things that just bothers me the most is how the media, uh, some media, want to be in denial and worse yet, want you to be in denial. I mean, they think that if they call it a terror attack, a terrorist attack, that that's going to cause Islamophobia. They don't want you to think that there is anything like terrorism going on in the world. Um, And so that's why they don't want to use those kinds of words um let me tell you about this terror attack (laughs) um there uh the terrorist is dead by the way um if i didn't make that clear he is lying on london bridge or he, he is at the moment that i am doing this podcast lying on london bridge um and uh having been shot by the police but before the police got there having been tackled uh by passers-by which is also another fascinating part of this attack because there aren't many attacks in the past there haven't been many attacks where the public passers-by were as aggressive as they were uh at this attack and um in fact there's a man who um ran to the uh terrorist and took the knife out of his hand and there are pictures in the media of this uh bystander running away with the knife now uh, and you can see his face very clearly which is great because he deserves to be honored i mean hopefully this won't put him in danger uh having his face plastered all over the media but um But he deserves to be honored for that bravery. I mean, that's really incredible. Um, At the same time, there were passersby who tackled him. And so why is this? Why are people now being, I mean, there there were uh, attacks before on London Bridge. There have been lots of attacks in London. There have been attacks all over the world. Why um, are passersby now more likely to actually attack the attacker? the terrorist? And my answer is, um, because people are sick and tired of waiting for um, authorities to take care of the problem of terrorism, to um, subdue or kill the attacker. Um, But more than really you know, the police came to the scene fairly quickly. I don't know the exact number of minutes, but fairly quickly. So this is not, and they did shoot the man and he did die. Um, So this is not really something against the police, but it's that it's more on a broader scale. I don't think that it was so much, um, I mean, yeah, did they want to get this man before, you know, he ran away or, or could injure more people? Absolutely. But I think they were fueled, perhaps unconsciously, but fueled by um, a general sense that authorities in general are not doing enough to stop terror attacks, particularly in Europe, particularly in the UK, particularly in London, um, but in a general sense all over the world. So, you know, it's like, um, not gonna take it anymore, you know? And so that is what propelled them to be heroes and um, so let me tell you more details about the actual attack um, so as i said the the armed police officers shot the terrorist twice um, there are I'm looking at a picture of him right now now you know the the interesting thing or the Oh, I guess what makes it worse, what I was talking about earlier, the fact that, you know, how news outlets were so uh, afraid or hesitant to, um, to call it terrorism and call the attacker a terrorist, you can see in the photo, <laughs> uh, this is a photo, by the way, from The Sun. Uh, not all. Not there were, This is the first pa- um, picture of the terrorist that I was able to find. So I, I don't mean to imply that this was all over the place. Uh, the picture of the terrorist. Um, you know, in the sun, you know, you you may think what you want of it, but they do tend to get to the heart of the story more quickly, or at least report the details of the gruesome details of the story more quickly than other media outlets. Um, I mean, similar ones are the mail, and you know, there are certain ones that I know to go to if I'm looking for facts that media outlets are other media outlets are not um, gonna be so quick to to talk about or to show. So the picture of the terrorist on the ground shows very clearly that he had a uh, suicide vest on him, which was another part of this whole idea that that um, uh, media outlets wouldn't claim that he was a terrorist when he, besides the knife, knives, um, he had on a, a suicide vest. Now it turned out that the suicide vest was a hoax, but what was super interesting was that after the police shot him once, um, he, or even perhaps twice after they shot him, he was still able to open his jacket. And show that there was a suicide vest attached to him. I mean, imagine that dramatic moment that uh, here the people surrounding him thought that you know, okay, the threat is over. He is down on the ground. He is shot, and then he um, reveals that he's wearing a suicide vest. And of course, it was would be hard to know whether he had detonated it yet. Uh, in the end, uh, if you don't know this yet, in the end, um, he, he didn't have a chance to detonate it. Uh, there's also a picture of the man, as I was talking about, the man who took away the knife. He's a man in a jacket and tie and man-tellered shirt. You know, he looks he looks like a businessman of sorts, like he's wearing a jacket over a, over a suit jacket or a sports jacket um, and a tie, shirt and tie. So uh, not the kind of man who you might expect to, to jump in and snatch a knife from, um, from a terrorist, but um, obviously a very brave man. But when we come back, I'll tell you more about this attack and um, what some witnesses saw and said and where the attack started because it didn't apparently start on London Bridge. That is just where the attacker was running to at that point. So stay tuned, you're listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show, and I'll be right back. Welcome back to The Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about the London attack, which may well be uh, happy holidays from the terrorists. That is to say, they particularly like to perpetrate attacks uh, during the holidays, and um, you know, because because they want to ruin our Christmas, right? and Hanukkah. I'm sure they want to ruin that too. Um, So they, you know, this is just like they pick iconic sites to attack. Um, They pick iconic times like when we're celebrating the winter holidays. So I'm talking about um, the London Bridge attack, the terror, an absolutely uh, no question terror attack um for which the picture of the terrorist has not yet been shown um hiding his identity hiding even calling it a terror attack in many news outlets um but let me continue with the story so the i was telling you that that a brave man came and took away the knife a kitchen knife from the terrorist who he was stabbing people and um And then at the scene, pictures from the scene also show a second large knife lying next to the terrorist's body. Um, Now, London Mayor Sadiq Khan, who you may have already heard me talk about as being the worst thing uh, for London that there ever was, particularly the worst thing in terms of terrorism. During his reign, there have been more terror attacks um, not counting, you know, um, the, I- the Ireland or whatever, you know, is radical Islamic terrorist attacks than in any other reign of any other mayor, it seems to me. And he has done the least to stop them. Um, so he said that ordinary Londoners showed, quote, breathtaking heroism in disarming, well, unquote, in disarming the terrorist. Um, it is He did not say terrorist. Boris Johnson said, quote, anybody involved in this crime and these attacks will be hunted down and will be brought to justice. And he also uh, said, you know, paid tribute to the bravery. He paid tribute to the bravery of the emergency services and the public. Um, the area uh, around London Bridge is on lockdown and they closed the tube stop at London Bridge, but they continued the other, the rest of the tube running, which I thought was kind of um, risky, but um, but so far, as, as I'm talking now anyway, there have not been any other attacks in London, so um, it turned out it was okay to keep the rest of the tube running. Um, there are, there is a timeline as of now, um, th- there's a timeline that's been gathered through witnesses in terms of when this and where this, uh, terror attack began. So it started out, um, at 1 PM London time, with reports of multiple stabbings at fishmongers hall, and they called the police. And from then, um, the man you know, ran away <laughs> and he ran to London Bridge and that's where he was apprehended by passers-by and then by the police. Um, and then the uh, Borough Market and the Shard are evacuated. Those are places near London Bridge. So one witness, Guy Lawrence, who's 48, said he saw a man running out of a building believed to be Fishmonger's Hall, armed with two kitchen knives with 20 centimeter blades. Um, He said, you know, from his vantage point uh, at at that time, he said one member of the public ran after the terrorist. Uh, One member ran after him who was armed with a six, six foot stick and another with a fire extinguisher. And he told the newspaper, The Times, quote, I saw all traffic stopped in front of me. I heard shooting. There was an attack. And I saw a guy on the floor. I heard two shots, bang, bang. (laughs) Uh, Police were running towards us, and they told us to get out and run. Another witness said she saw, quote, two or three people stabbed at Fishmonger's Hall. Uh, She said, quote, one minor and the other two were proper bleeding. Hmm like one minor bleeding and one proper bleeding, meaning one serious bleeding or significant bleeding. Um, Then one woman who was on the top of a double-decker bus going over London Bridge, her name was Cecilia Sidero, she said she heard shots and saw a man lying on the ground with a, quote, very scary device, like a bomb device. Yes, that was right. Um, She said, quote, I was like, okay, this is unusual. (laughs) Unusual? (laughs) So me and the other passengers started looking outside to see what's going on. And we saw like six people holding someone on the floor. At some point, someone says, oh, he has a knife. And we were like, oh my gosh, this guy is supposed to stab someone. And people were running away. The police officers, finally, they removed the knife. But then what happened is when they shot the guy, the guy is still alive and they shoot and he's trying to pull the black jacket off so I was able to see the vest that he was wearing. And it seems like a very scary device, like a bomb device. At that point, we just ran away from the bus, crossing the bridge in the other direction. And then we have another witness. Let's see. Oh yeah, this is kind of interesting. Um, a, A terrified witness, Karen Bosch, Uh, said, quote, I was on the bus coming southbound over London Bridge. We just pulled away from the bus stop when the bus uh, came to a sudden stop because there were people running across the bridge into the road, sort of looking over their shoulders and filming behind them. (laughs) You're running away from a terror attack and you're, this is only, (laughs) this has to be uh, 2019, right? Um, and you're you're filming behind them. <laughs> that that's you want to be the one to be able to post it on social media, right? Um, she said, "quote It looked like there was a fight going on, people tussling with each other, and then you realize it was police wrestling with the tall with one tall bearded man. So it was the, either the police or the uh, or the public." Um, she also talks about how he pulled his coat back that showed that he had a suicide vest. Now, also um, ironically, this incident uh, came one week after the UK's terrorism threat level was downgraded. They just downgraded it on November 4th to substantial from severe. So substantial means that attacks are thought to be likely rather than severe which means highly likely. So, you know, <laughs> that just shows you can't like totally rely on what the threat level is uh at any one particular time. Now, um one thing I want to talk about at, at the at the chance that um at the risk of seeming um self-promotional, you know, uh especially in the US. I mean, and by self promotional, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about my book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists. Oh my, how to protect your child in a time of terror, which is the first and only book about terrorism for kids, won all kinds of awards in London and Paris and New York and Hollywood and a Mama's Choice Award. And ironically, um, when I was in London to get this award, uh, and I was on Good Morning Britain. Um, I was being questioned by uh, the, the uh, hosts who were women at the time it wasn't um, uh, the man male host um, but anyhow who, why I say that is because they had children and so that's why I was surprised I mean young children which is why I was surprised that they would question why it's important to talk to children about terrorism and they were talking about how isn't it important isn't it better to not ruin childhood by telling them about terrorists and terrorism and you know scaring them and having them think about these kinds of things in the world well i hope these women are remembering (laughs) and uh, uh this today when um you know even then i said uh i said it's not like this is something new. These kids know about terrorism. They see it on the telly all the time. There are lots of attacks that have occurred in London and the UK, and it's not telling them something new. It's helping them to deal with it. Well, I'll stop here for now, and we'll tell you more um, about the attack and about what this really means for us during these times. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about the London attack and how that might well be the beginning of the terrorist holiday spree. Uh, In fact, after this attack happened, um, New York authorities, New York police, have uh, been put on a higher alert uh, because of, so far they're saying they don't have specific information of a credible threat, but whether it's the idea that, you know, they know that uh, terrorists like to have attacks during the holidays and it has begun, or whether they have something a little more specific than that. Um, Certainly there is propaganda on the various ISIS channels uh, telling, trying to encourage lone wolves to attack. So perhaps uh, this attack in London is making the New York police pay a little more attention to that. Um I wanted to talk talking about that. <laughs> I wanted to um oh well wait before I, I wanted to I'm gonna tell you about something that did happen in New York where there was almost a New York subway attack. The terrorist man was um was arrested before he could do do something, you know, actually create an attack or push someone else. Well, before he has pushed someone else to create an attack, I don't know that he hasn't yet influenced someone to do that. Um, but I was talking about children in my book <laughs> um, and the great Good Morning Britain. Um, wherever you are that you're listening to this, I mean, for example, in the U.S., children are off school today um, for several days for the Thanksgiving vacation. And so what do you think a lot of American children are doing? They are sitting in front of television and this is breaking news. The London attack was so they're watching, uh, I don't know, a cartoon or something or another kind of show or even news, but not, um, but not necessarily yet of this attack. And all of a sudden breaking news, whatever they're watching, breaking news comes on and breaks into it and tells them about this attack. Now, there are going to be some children who are going to turn to their uh, mommy and daddy and say, "What? What? What is that about? What happened? Why? What are they saying?" You know. Now, of course, <laughs> depending upon what station they're listening to, they might not hear it called a terror attack. But hopefully, after a while, since the Metropolitan Police, ha- London Metropolitan Police, have called it a terror attack, they did that very, very early on um and yet the other media weren't um calling it that some other media so um assuming they have by now heard that it was a terror attack uh some kids and depending upon the age and depending upon what they already know (laughs) um, they're asking their parents what's a terror attack Um, why did this man Knife people, why did they, why did the police shoot the man? What's going on? Now, in my, you know, when my, since my book has come out or actually before, while I was writing it, I was asking parents, um, have you talked to your child about terrorism? And most of the parents who I spoke to said no. And I said, how old are your kids? And they would say various ages. And I would say, well, and some of them were, you know, older, like, uh, like preteens, um, and, or even teens. And so I would ask, well, why haven't you talked to them about it? And then they would kind of look down at the ground and they'd kind of shrug and they'd look sort of sheepish (laughs) and they would say, well, you know, we don't want to scare them or we don't want them to have to know about these kinds of things or, um, I don't know. Well, you know, the point is if you're not going to talk to your kids about terrorism, then you're not going to be able to prepare them for terrorism and i'm not talking about the run hide fight kind of thing i'm talking about building resilience on a daily basis doing things every day as a family or as a class to build resilience in yourself on an everyday kind of basis and that includes things like um, decreasing stress. well what it first includes is getting to know about terrorism so it is not so scary getting to understand why these terrorists are doing what they're doing so that you understand what's happening you know not understanding is the scariest part and when parents you know try to slough it off and say oh oh it happened in london that's if you're not living in london um oh it happened in london uh don't worry about it or oh this was just one crazy man who um you know uh was angry um i mean it might turn out that it was uh a man with mental illness that doesn't mean that he wasn't a terrorist uh but it certainly seems like wearing a suicide vest even a hoax suicide vest gives a big clue that this man is connected to terrorism what, and, and, you know, it's so interesting. I was talking uh, about how he, even though he was shot, he managed to open up his coat, his jacket and show the suicide vest. Now, um, as it turns out, he wasn't able to, well, uh, he wasn't able to detonate it. I mean, partly because it was a hoax and it probably wouldn't have detonated, but he wanted to, sh- he wanted to create terror. He knew that if he showed people that he had this uh, suicide vest, that people wouldn't be able to know right away that this couldn't detonate. So he wanted to perpetrate terror. And even though he was caught and shot and knew he might likely die, he wanted to to die as a martyr, first of all, um, for having injured and killed some people. And for having proven that you know he, he was uh, he was a terrorist he was someone who um, who was gonna who was gonna cause terror even if he couldn't make a, a vest that would actually work he they wanted to show that he was one of them uh, presumably it will come out that he was at least influenced by ISIS, if not a card-carrying ISIS member. And of course, the other significance of this is that um, that ISIS, um, since the caliphate has been felled, and since um, Abu Bakr has been bak- bakar, you can see my... A previous um, podcast on this he was killed we know but there's another leader who replaced him right away and um, there are still lone wolves who have pledged their allegiance to Isis and some lone wolves who want all the more to show that Isis is isn't dead that there is that isis is still a force to be reckoned with and now that there are isis members coming home from the middle east they are going to prove themselves as even more of a force to be reckoned with because they are going to be in the uk and all the other european countries and <laughs> going to be trying to get into the u.s as well or not even not even, well, we don't even have to try to get in the U.S., because there are people in the U.S. who are already um, planning terror attacks. In fact, let me tell you about this man in Brooklyn who was just arrested for encouraging ISIS uh, terrorist subway attacks. He was enc- in other words, he was encouraging lone wolves to attack the subway in New York City. And fortunately he was arrested. He came from Brownsville, Brooklyn. His name is Zachary Clark. He's forty, and um, you don't think about a terrorist coming from Brooklyn. <laughs> a tree grows in Brooklyn, and apparently, terrorists do too. Um, he his real. He also goes by the name of Umar Kabir, and he. Um, has, uh, he was arrested and charged with one count of attempting to provide material support to ISIS and one count of distributing information relating to explosives, uh, destructive devices and weapons of mass destruction. And he's now facing up to 40 years in prison. In July of 2019, uh, he pledged his allegiance his allegiance to ISIS, then to Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. And then in October of 2019, so just last month, he pledged allegiance to um, ISIS's new leader, Abu Ibrahim. Now, he was posting um, on encrypted pro-ISIS chat rooms, Um, He was giving numerous instructions on bomb making and other terrorist acts and telling people to carry them out in New York. Now, fortunately, the Joint Terrorist Task Force caught him before he could um, actually, you know, create an attack. But um, his, his plans and his trying to influence people to Perpetrate attacks began at least by March 2019, when he was spreading ISIS propaganda, and he um, was. And then uh, in August, he posted instructions about how to uh, conduct an attack. I mean, he, all along since at least March, he's been posting things, instructions, and so on. Whether it's uh, bombs, or he also uh, posted a manual in called knife attacks and uh and he wrote in this manual instruction manual um discomfort at quote the thought of plunging a sharp object into another person's flesh unquote is quote never an excuse for abandoning jihad so he's trying to convince people, you know, don't be. Don't, yes, you might think that that's uncomfortable, or you might be, you might feel uncomfortable at the idea of plunging a sharp object into another person's flesh, but <laughs> that's not an excuse for abandoning jihad. Do it. Um, and then he talked about how knives, though not only the only weapon for inflicting harm about on the non-believers. Are widely available, so that's why it's a good thing to use. Now, this is the one that I love. Um, he also posted a manual. He was very prolific. Uh, he also posted a manual on social media, uh, especially you know pro, especially sites where people lone wolves are likely to look. He posted a manual called "Make a Bomb in the Kitchen of Your Mom." Make a bomb in the kitchen of your mom. Now. Uh, I love to get into the psychological backgrounds of these terrorists because there is always, 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 always some kind of psychological problem. I don't mean that there is always a psychotic mental illness like schizophrenia or manic depressive illness. Sometimes there is, but there is always something in in the person's development that made them um, angry from a very early age and um, makes them attracted to ISIS or other terrorist kinds of plans as a way of carrying out this anger. Now, clearly this man has mom issues and would like to blow his mom to smithereens. So, you know, this is really the way that terrorism is going to ultimately be, or has to be part of the way, at least, that terrorism is ultimately going to be solved or the war on terror won, we have to acknowledge that it's not just coming from um, religion, you know, and how people, uh, terrorists twist what the Quran says in order to get people to become terrorists. Um, But it also, or at the bottom of it, um, is some kind of childhood issue. <laughs> that makes it sound so tame, a childhood issue. Um, but childhood, deep childhood problem that makes these people very uh, enraged and that they carry with them. For years, until they focus or are given, you know, by people like this Brooklyn, Brooklyn man, are given an idea of how they can take out their rage. Well, thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist.